step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box here here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and the Nashville Predators finding ways to win even with a ton, almost wanted to put a a qualifier in there, of how much of a ton, (laughs) a poop ton of injuries (laughs) happening to them uh, against the Detroit Red Wings. They, They win in the shootout, but they're finding ways to win through these injuries. And a bunch of them happening last night, Glenn, I mean, uh, ben Harper left, wa- hobbled off the ice, and then returned. And then uh, Luke Cunning. Oh, oh, if you oh. haven't seen the picture, folks, that's mm, that's brutal. Granted, that should be overall, hopefully, a playable injury once he got stitched up and everything. Sh- hopefully, should be good to go uh, later on. But then, obviously, Dante Fabro only played four minutes total in the game, and and he's gone. Uh, so with that, you have other skaters that are getting ready to come back maybe in the next week or so, like Ryan Ellis and maybe Matt Duchesne. We'll see. But this team finding ways to win. And yes, it's the Detroit Red Wings, but they've been squeaking out some games against almost every team they play and not getting swept mm-hmm. in the two game series. So a win is a win right now with this yeah. team that's decimated by injuries. Yeah, um, actually, Brooks Bratton put out an article this afternoon, and I wanted to touch on something that was stated in there. Um, he had talked to Ryan Johansson about um and Ryan Johansson was talking about how proud he was of the group for sticking it out, sticking it together through throughout all of this, the last couple of months have been rough and they know that. And a quote he said, he said, it's all about one game at a time right now. It's results and winning. And we're always trying to correct little things throughout our game to go out there and execute perfect hockey games. But the biggest thing is we're finding ways to win games. Um, he also said they're having fun and they just want to keep moving forward one game at a time. And I, and I quote that on here because it's very telling about the mindset of this team right now. And your mindset, whether it's good or bad, is going to show up on the ice. And so we're watching a team that is having fun. They're enjoying themselves. And even when it gets rough, they're showing up for each other. They're finding ways to win. They're being patient. I mean, look at Ryan Johansson's very, very, very slow goal in OT. That's patient. And I think that we're seeing a team that is being patient despite all the bad things that are going on with the injuries that keep coming and coming and coming. They're staying patient and they're not getting ahead of themselves. And I think that it's really, really paying off for them because you can easily as a team just go in a downward spiral when you continue to have injury after injury. But when you find a way to make it work and find a way to win despite that, that's a team that could potentially find themselves further down in the playoffs. That experience of finding ways to win in the regular season could pay off big time. Oh, it absolutely could, especially so many players getting this experience right now. And the, the, the one thing that concerns me is what could be thrown off when other guys return and not saying that it's bad for them to return, but things get thrown off because you have all these young guys stepping up. I mean, and it's one of them even got hurt 
after stepping up. I mean, uh, Alexander Carrier, and he's out three to five weeks. So it's going to be curious to see that once Ellis comes back, uh, once Duchesne comes back, because go ahead and nip this in the bud. Matt Duchesne's not going to be healthy scratched coming right back. He's an $8 million player. And while you think he may need to be scratched, it doesn't mean he's going to be scratched. There's too many politics involved and how you have to deal with the player and the agent, things like that. It's, he's been injured. So it's not like he's been not producing because he's not producing, but not producing because he's injured. So they're going to give an opportunity to get back in the lineup. That's why I continue to stress that I would prefer to see a trade happen to open a spot for him. So he's not taking a spot from a younger player uh, in there. That's why I'd like to see Eric Halla. Boom, right there. Third line, open up a spot for Matt Duchesne to come in, and you're not taking away what's been working overall. Yeah, Hollis chipped in a couple of assists here, but overall, he's not a difference maker, and Duchesne could be still a difference maker, uh, whether we like it or not. Offseason, completely different story. Uh, but overall, the youth in this team has been driving this team forward, whether it's Ellie Tolvin and the power player in five-on-five. Uh, you have the fourth line with Matthew Olivier and Jakob Trennan center between a veteran like Colton Sissons. Uh, you have Rem Pitlick stepping right in, which is great. Jeremy Davies getting time now because of injuries. And shoot, David Ference might get into the game just because they need him to get into the game, the uh, not because they just want to see him. Uh, yep. You also have Tyler Lewington, who has a few games of NHL experience with his time with Washington. Uh, so after that, they only have three more defensemen under contract. Uh, a couple of them already are injured right now, so that's not going to be much help. Uh, they have Frederick Allard back in the AHL, but the Predators are running out of demon, but they're still finding ways to win through all these things. And that's what's been impressive to me, that it's completely changed my train of thought in this team to the point that there's no do not buy. I cannot stress enough to not buy, but to let this play out the way it needs to play out and let these kids get experience together with some of these veterans. And then you evaluate after a playoff series, potentially, because right now, the way we look at the schedule, they got through the most difficult part. But now what's coming up in the schedule is they have opportunities to steal a game or two from a Tampa and a Carolina. But then you look ahead, like what we've talked about before, those three games against Chicago coming up on the 19th, the 21st and the 23rd, those games are going to decide who gets the fourth spot. I truly believe those three games are going to either separate or not separate uh, in those four spots, because if they could go two and one, two, oh, and one, get at least five points out of those games and keep Chicago from getting them, that really solidifies Nashville's place at four spot, because right now, even with Dallas's games in hand, if they won all of those, they would not catch up to Nashville. That's how important some of these points have been. But you let this team go as it is with the youth because that's right now is your future. You let them get experience whether they win or whether they lose, and you build for the future for the next few years. What's going to what's gonna be this team? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely the future, and they've also been the present that has turned this team around and gotten them to where they're now, you know, 10 of their last 12 games. It's because of the youth that have showed up really just coming in, the majority of them just coming in and fighting for that role that they know they deserve. And so, I mean, it's just, I agree with you and I'll, I'll stand by it. We've talked about it for the last few weeks. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't want to buy. I mean, you're not trying to go push for the playoffs. You, I agree with you on that. Um, but I'm also very, very big on chemistry. And I know when, I know it sounds cliche, but there's a reason why people talk about it it's because it's a real thing. And when you're on a roll, whether you call it on a roll, chemistry, whatever you want to call it, when it's working, really don't want to mess with it. Now, when you're talking about taking one person out like an Eric Holla and then plugging back in a Matt Duchesne, you're not really messing with much, right? You're not really 
breaking down the team and then reinserting people that are going to have to get familiar with the system. Um, so something like that would be, I think, the only suitable thing for this team at the trade deadline, um, because I agree with you 100%. They're the future of this team, the youth is, and they've also been very, very important in the present. And and part of the youth overall, I mean, he's been a, pro, a professional for a while, but Yusuf Saros and mm. what he's done with this team of late is ridiculously fantastic. I mean, he is actually saving this team's butt in games. Mm. And that's what you need. You need a goaltender that can steal some games. And he's been doing that. I mean, we look at the win over Chicago. I mean, 41 saves in a shutout, uh, even in the loss to Dallas still was 900 in terms of save percentage. But other than that, he's been way above 900. He's had uh, a couple shutouts. Granted, there, mm-hmm. oh, another one was over Detroit, but he's looking really good and strong and looking very athletic. And his athleticism is shining through because of the saves that he's making. That's what you need in your crease. You need a goaltender that can make some saves to help you win the game, not just be average, but actually make game-stealing saves. And that's what they were missing early on in the season. And then Charles started to play a little bit better. Then he got hurt. Pecorini came in and did a fantastic job, especially on the road trip. And then Charles has come back with just a new amount of energy and athleticism to where he's playing lights out hockey. And I don't want to throw that phrase to overhype his performance, but he has legitimately been one of the best goalies in the NHL uh, Mm -hmm. in the past couple weeks. And that's huge. That's what this team has needed, especially with the youth that you need a a guy that can save your butt multiple times and he's done that for this team so a lot of this rests on him this team's success and it's just like with Pecorini the way Pecorini goes was the way the natural predators went that was it for so many years can Saros continue to have this team on his back it's one of those questions that is going to continue until he proves it whether it's in the offseason or in the beginning of the season because we've seen what he can do once he warms up he's proven that right now can he be a good goaltender to start a season and not start off rough or can he win this team some playoff games as well those are all big questions uh right now for this club as they look toward the future yeah i think he's just playing his most confident game right now there's likely something in the back of his mind knowing that he's got something to prove that he's got you know am i the backbone of this franchise let me go out and show them that i am i think he's found that gear um, to kick in and it's just working out really well. And I think that the team in some cases has, has got a confidence in front of him. And in those nights where they don't play like that, they don't play their best in front of him. He has the capability, like you said, to steal those games. Um, so, I mean, as of lately, I'm just seeing him be more confident and I'm also seeing the team in front of him play more confidently as well. So the good combination of the two, Justin. It is. All right, folks, we have a great show uh, for you tonight. We have Stephen Nelson of the Hockey News coming on. He had a great article about Ellie Tolvanen and his work, but also going to talk about the upcoming draft. And we'll probably stick a racing question there, too, because we know he's a big fan of open wheel racing. Uh, and then we will have Alexis Downey of Stadium and OTR Sports Talk come on to talk about the NHL trade deadline and the Frozen Four college hockey coming up. All right, but first, Stephen Ellis up next from Penalty Box here to ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and good friend of the show. Used to be with Penalty Box Radio as well, and he has gone into bigger and better things, and it's so good to see the success that he has had with the hockey news. Stephen Ellis joining us right now. Stephen, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys? 
uh, doing all right. So, I mean, you're putting obviously a lot of work in and continue to grow there too, but still keeping to your roots as well with, with knowing about the, the non-traditional side of hockey and then prospects and everything like that, which is so awesome to see. And the reason why I wanted to bring you on because you had this great article out on, on Ellie Tolvin and, and the work that he's been doing. And, and we'll get into that here shortly. But this season overall has been a unique one, obviously, as we've seen it with so many injuries happening in multiple teams, the situation in Vancouver uh, going on right now, which is just it's brutal for what that team's going through right now, too. Just kind of a broad question overall of your take of this season, how you think of it from the, especially the Canadian angle on it with the, the North division, how that's been going. Just we get a broader scope of, of internationally of your take on the NHL season so far. Well, I'm glad that we haven't had um, a stoppage for the whole league yet. Uh, that's, I guess, that's a positive. I fully expected us to get a couple of stoppages throughout the league. And of course in Canada, we were looking really good for a long time and that kind of fell short, unfortunately, with what's going on in Vancouver. But uh, I've, I've liked the division format. I like that we could continuously see uh, rival play. But I think part of the thing here is, I don't know if it's just the, the coverage because we're in Canada and the Canadian division has been what it's been. Like, it's like, it's, you don't see anything on TV or anything at all about what's going outside. Like you really got to search for it. So if you're like a fan who's not fully engaged in it, like you may even forget there's more than seven teams in the NHL. And I think that's kind of a downfall. We don't get to see that variety. Um, but uh, it's been, it's been fun to see the rivals uh, across the league and to see um, everything kind of go there. You see um, I, I've enjoyed the rookie race. I know it's not been as, as, competitive or I should say competitive but as as exciting as re- previous years but it's still been fun and uh it's it's been enjoyable I'm just at some point I'm, I'm a little tired of seeing the same teams all the time I swear I've seen Toronto and Edmonton play each other like 132 <laughs> times this year and they're different parts of Canada so uh but I'm, I'm glad we've gotten to the point where we haven't had to shut the league down at this point I think that's that's a, a positive takeaway at this point Definitely so. Um, and like Justin mentioned, Stephen, you wrote a fantastic piece this week on the start of Ellie Tolvanen's North American pro career, um, how it wasn't ideal, but fast forwarding to today, and he's dominating within this Predators team. You mentioned in there the criticism that Tolvanen has gotten being a one-dimensional perimeter style player, yet he continues to make this Predators team better just by being on the ice lately. What's your take on his overall game, how it's developed and why it seems to be working so well with this Predators team right now. Yeah. Well, like when you watch him in the KHL or even with Finland in the international play, it's like, it seemed like if he wasn't um, like, obviously he had, had a really good rookie season, in the KHL probably should have won rookie of the year, but he actually wasn't eligible due to the, the way the rules work um, it, in terms of, so much everything was kind of working from early on um but it seemed like he needed that big ice to really shine all of a sudden you put him on that smaller ice and even when watching him in the ushl he was like you could tell he he really needed more room he would go up to the boards and kind of just run out of space and then he would give the puck up blah 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 um so there's a lot of parts of his game where um I didn't necessarily love his defensive play, not a super physical guy. There's a lot of things that were just kind of missing. And it's like, but when when he had the puck on his stick, you knew he was going to do something. It's just, what was he going to do away from that? And I feel like he's kind of worked on a lot of that. He's not um, like even watching him at points uh, in in the AHL. It's like, Oh geez. He's like, he's not engaged at all in in his own zone. Now that's not really an issue. So he seems to be doing that. Uh, The shots are going in. He's got the confidence to keep shooting and trying different uh shot pass while well, I was looking at a, a shot map of him recently and it's like yeah like this this is a guy that 
when he got his, his start in the AHL, he wasn't shooting enough and, and he was only shooting from certain areas. Now he's willing to take any opportunity he has. So I think he's just kind of continues to grow. He, he understands the smaller ice a bit better. He's, he's adjusting to that. He's not running out of space. Like it felt like he always was doing. And um, the Preds are, are confident in him. So I'm, I'm liking what he's been able to do this season. And another thing that you mentioned in the article is, I mean, he's a contender for the Calder Trophy at this point, and it's pretty impressive, you know, because there are a few names that were not in the Calder conversation a couple of months ago, Jason Robertson of Dallas being one, Ellie Tolvanen, adding to the list of possible contenders and comparing that to like last year, let's say, when there seemed to be a more definitive, very small list um, Preds fans obviously would love to see him be the recipient of that Calder. Do you think that it would just take him to continue to play as consistently as he is now to be above the competition? Or do you think that more of a breakout would be needed for him to stand out? I think uh, just a more like obviously he's been on a really good run recently and uh, but like look at the beginning of the season where he kind of really started off on the wrong foot. So his stats alone might not get him that award. Um, Kirill Kaprizov is in, in the best spot right now, and he's had some kind of weaker moments. But as for as good as Minnesota's playing this year, Kaprizov's having to create a lot of that offense. He's, he doesn't have a lot to work with, and he's doing so much, which is why he's looking as good as he is. But I think it's kind of like it's Kaprizov number one, and then number two is not clear. Actually, I was just on a podcast today where we're talking, and it's like you got Robertson, you got Lincoln in. Capo Kakinen is in there. Uh, Shesterkin's starting to look pretty good again. Um, so it's kind of like muddied it a little bit. Uh, Ty Smith, another one. Uh, it's kind of muddied to the point where there's so much competition and it, it's uh, it's going to be tough to kind of break out through there. So if Tolvita keeps playing the way he's playing this last stretch, I think you, you, he's making a huge case for him. Um, but he's got to be able to do that for the rest of the season, especially as Nashville tries to distance itself from Chicago and gets him in the playoff spot. They've obviously been playing really good. And it's interesting that ever since Tolfin kind of showed up and started playing as good as he is now, that's when the, the results started to show up. So uh, they just need him to keep doing what he's doing uh, and just be consistent on that. He doesn't need to, to go out there and, and produce at a torrid pace um, to really put himself in the, comp- in the conversation. But if he's consistent for the remainder of the year, I think I think the gap definitely closes between him and, and Kaprizov. Again, Stephen Ellis of the Hockey News joining us in here on Penalty Box Radio. Stephen, looking at the Nashville Predators, just Ellie Tolvanen being one of those rookies and multiple rookies getting a lot of time with the Nashville Predators. And just given your experience looking at prospects and evaluating prospects and how they can be a part of a team, we're seeing the Nashville Predators being younger right now and having more success and knowing coaches like a John Hines that have worked through the U.S. National Team Development Program and worked his way up through different things in terms of training and working with prospects. I just want to get your opinion on this as well, is that it seems like now that he's had more younger players to work with to instill his system, that overall there's more buy-in from them sort of working with more veterans that are more stuck in their ways. Is that a, a statement that is worthy of making? Is that something that makes a difference by having more young players in there that he can kind of mold in his own way that we see like in military aspects, you want to get young guys, you can mold into how you want them to be. Does that fit John Hines better than what he's been able to do maybe in the past where he had was stuck with a lot of veterans that maybe weren't going to adapt as well? Yeah, it's definitely an, an interesting viewpoint. Like uh, I like uh, Dante Fabro is like one of my favorite young guys uh, in the NHL. A f- lot of fun watching him uh, growing up in the junior ranks and seeing how he's been able to adapt to the NHL and and it, being able to use those young guys and rely on them, whether it's in small sample sizes to start or larger sample sizes. I think it's good to give them confidence. If you're the Ottawa Senators, for example, um, they've got a couple of young prospects who probably could be on the team right now. They're not, um, but they just didn't want too many young guys in the fray because 
because if you look at their team, they're very young and while they're not performing, they're getting those guys acclimated for when they're going to be a contender, they're ready to go. Nashville is obviously in a different situation. They still want to win soon because they've got a, a core there that's a, that they built to win a couple of years ago. They haven't been able to pull it off, but they're still in contention here. So the fact that they're bringing these young guys to kind of supplement that, you've got nice youth. That they're, they're, it's a it's a fast team to watch, a good skating team, and they you, you really want those guys to have confidence. If you're a team that's and especially having the the animals being as good as they've been the last couple of years, to be able to draw from that has helped. Um, but you don't want those guys to get stuck for too long. And they're like, okay, well, they're bringing in veterans to kind of fill the spot. Like, how do they view me as a prospect? Um, when they get these young guys that can throw them in, I think that's so important for any team in the NHL. And I'm, I'm, I've got to got two ways of looking at it. you either be very patient for player, but make sure you bring them up at the right time where they're not going to be deep in a lineup or you throw them to the walls and you give them that opportunity to experience that. And things might come easier for them uh, later on. And, uh, those are kind of the two different ways to look at it. But Nashville, I just, I like how they've been able to integrate those young guys and it doesn't feel like it's out of place or they're being forced and they're getting the confidence they need. No, absolutely makes sense. And they're definitely getting the experience because they're almost out of defenseman under contract right now. Uh, so switching gears to the upcoming draft, I mean, everyone talks about how the draft overall is weaker. And I mean, we say weaker, there's still going to be some players in there, but you're not going to get the generational talents, especially because not many people can agree on their actual top five uh, in this draft. What can people expect in this draft to get out of it? And especially in terms of impact players and how long they may be away or from, from making the NHL, because I think it's when we're looking at this, it's going to be guys that aren't necessarily going to be in the big right off the bat, unless maybe it's one or two overall, but even then it's a lot of college players, a lot of Michigan players are also near the top as well. But so overall, you're just taking this draft as we continue to help prepare people for what to expect wherever the Predators pick. Yeah, this is one where it, you're definitely not going to turn your team around next season. Like uh, there was one, I saw a couple of tweets about like, well, should the Buffalo Sabres look to trade some of their 2022 picks to get something in 2021? And no, not at all. Uh, this is not going to be one of the stronger years. It doesn't help that um, the a lot of these guys haven't played a whole lot uh, and a lot of other ones have had to go play in different situations. But the thing about this year's draft is Last year, if you were making a pick, you early, you didn't want to pick a defenseman because you knew there was not a lot of great ones available. This year, that's a bit of a different story. I wouldn't be shocked if the entire top five are just defensemen, which has never happened before. But you got guys like Luke Hughes, who if you like Quinn Hughes, you'll like Luke Hughes. He's a bit bigger. Uh, he's not as fast and maybe not as offensively inclined, but he's just such an incredible talent. Uh, Owen Power is just a monster. He's huge. He's uh, But he plays like he's more like he's six foot two, but he's he's six, four and a half, six, five, I believe now. So he's a big guy. Uh, Brant Clark is one of my all-time favorite prospects I've ever watched play hockey. Uh, watched him get, a, I want to say it was like 130 points in minor midget pass into Shane Wright. But this is a year where you're going to pick a lot of uh, defensive talent. Uh, a team's going to really luck out and whoever gets Jesper Wallstad, who's the top goalie in this year's draft. Like Askarov is still, in my opinion, one of the best goalies you've seen drafted in the last decade. Wallstad might be number two. And it's cool that we're going to see them back to back. And uh, But you're not going to go get a guy who in the next year is going to change your team, maybe not even the next two years. And uh, especially on the offensive side, we might not even see a first line player chosen this year. But this is an opportunity where later in the draft, there's a lot of mystery, a lot of guys who you don't know about. And the teams that that's used video scouting to their advantage this year might really come out of this looking really good because this is – a year where you can get some hidden gems. And I like that about this year's draft. So it's a bit of a mystery, but that might make it fun. 
No, it absolutely will make it fun. And people go, who, what, why? Uh, so many different questions are going to be asked. Before we have to let you go, uh, for those that have listened to you on here before, we we all know that you're a man of many talents and have so much knowledge, not just on hockey, but also on racing and the racing world. And for those of you that do not know, there's going to be an IndyCar race coming to Nashville this summer, the Music City Grand Prix. The first one is street race here in downtown Nashville. Uh, and the IndyCar series is about to kick off uh, very soon as well. So I want to ask you, Stephen, do you have a favorite for the IndyCar series coming into this, this season on who you think might win? I know it's difficult to predict these things, especially with racing and everything too, but who are some drivers maybe that you would think people should keep an eye out for, especially when the race is going to be coming to Nashville, those people, that name should be familiar to them. Well, Scott Dixon is, is one of the best we've ever seen in IndyCar ever. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, Joseph Newgarden, I think, is my pick to win the championship this year. He had such a good year last year. Alex Rossi he's coming off of a, a pretty surprising zero-win season. So I think he's going to go out there and really try to surprise because he is one of the best young talents in the series. And uh, I would love to if you get a chance, you're going to want to see Jimmy Johnson out in person there after watching him win seven championships in NASCAR. It's cool to see him go and uh, race IndyCar. But if you're looking for a guy to win that specific race in Nashville, I, I might be a little biased, but James Hinchcliffe, he's a really good street race driver. Uh, probably should have won at St. Pete last year. He's actually from Oakville, Ontario, which is where I'm from. So it's kind of cool. And I grew up a few streets away from him, but uh, in terms of street tracks, he knows what he's doing there. So uh, it's going to be a really good season and uh, looking forward to the Indy 500 too. We're going to see uh, probably 36 cars which would be a nice field uh, for qualifying day for sure and for those that don't know joseph newgarden he's a nashville hometown boy just from outside of nashville in hendersonville and he's also a predators fan i know him and roman yossi get along pretty well so as always steven thanks so much for your input we really appreciate your insight and folks if you haven't done it yet please make sure you go check out his article on the hockeynews.com always great insight and takes from him great perspective on all things hockey that's for sure so steven thanks so much absolutely thanks so much for bringing me on Stephen Ellis of the Hockey News. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Stephen with a V, Ellis, T-H-N. Again, so much great information coming out of him on prospects, on hockey. Uh, just so great to see the success he's had in the hockey world and, and being a journalist there too. And remember, he was writing prospect reports for Penalty Box Radio, Glenn. Yep, indeed he was. And he, I mean, he's just so fantastic, so well-rounded as far as the information, the insight that he's got. I mean, so many of these players that are in the league right now He's been following since the very beginning and doing not just following, but in-depth reporting on their game and how it's developed. So it's always a joy to have him on the show. All right, up next, let's talk with Alexis Downey. She's with Stadium and also OTR Sports Talk. We'll talk with her about the upcoming angel trade deadline and college hockey. All that up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And joining us now just to give an overall look of the NHL trade deadline and college hockey is Alexis Downey of Stadium. Uh, Alexis, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So, I mean, you're, you are also a co-host on a podcast with a friend of the show, Kirsten Kroll, who's with the Minnesota Wild. Awesome for her uh, with her journey as well. So wanted to get you on here to get your view on things as well. And just overall, what we've been asking people, especially that are kind of covering the broad topic of the NHL, just this season has been such a unique one uh, with the Vancouver Canucks situation that is going on right now to postponement of games. So obviously the playoffs are delayed by a couple of days as they have to make up games and teams making up games and all the weirdness and the range are getting their vaccine as a team it sounds like here soon just your overall take on this season and what it's been like to, to, to watch this game uh and overall go off pretty well but just uh, your take on the season so far 
Well, I'll first start that I am just so happy that we're having a season and hats off to everyone, all the players, the coaches, staff members, everyone involved, because they're going through a lot to get this season going. Um, but it's been great to have hockey on TV all the time, nearly. I mean, there's nights where there's 12 games and it's so hard to keep up with it. But I, I've really enjoyed watching it, especially seeing teams being able to play in their home arenas. And a lot of the teams have fans back. So that's been pretty awesome. Um, and obviously, there's been a lot of things happening this year um, in terms of movements and which teams are coming out, you know, later in this second half of the season to see, you know, who's going to make a push for the playoffs. Um, but I, it's been it's been fun to keep track of so far and um we're getting down to the end of it and alexis we are now just a few days out um from the nhl deadline on april the 12th we've seen a couple of moves made um eric Stahl went to montreal um there's still some that we are anticipating people are you know anticipating taylor hall possibly being involved in the trade Preds have actually been centered in the trade conversation over the last few months however that's it's kind of died down a little bit um injuries, winning, whatever, but what are your overall thoughts on whether or not Nashville will make any moves and possibly what teams could possibly be involved if that's the case? Yeah, so when I've looked at the Preds, they are kind of a wild card, I think, at this point with the trade deadline. Um, you know, the big name, Matthias Ekholm, at the top of that list, D-Man, that they would want to get a lot for. I've seen where potentially the Winnipeg Jets could be a good landing spot for him. Um, but as a whole, I've kind of had a tough time nailing down what I think the Preds are going to do now because they've had success, you know, in the past month on the ice, they've been winning some games, starting to make a push for a playoff spot. So I think they're kind of one of those wild card teams, um, in terms of what they could end up doing by Monday. And, and we see this as well, that the trade deadline, the trades have been really quiet. And obviously there's so much to play in that with teams don't really know where they're at right now. And the, plus the quarantine period, even though it was reduced with Canada, there's still a seven day quarantine period and the season's so short and condensed plus cap strap teams, uh, plus so many different things about the, they're the sellers that would be sellers. They're already in rebuild. No, they don't have much to sell. So how do you anticipate just the trade deadline overall being, is it one of those things where you might see, one or two things drop or be a bunch of minor league trades. Just what are you anticipating? And basically you're calling your shot of what you think the trade deadline might look like. So obviously you mentioned Taylor Hall. He's going to be the biggest story from the trade deadline. Where is he going to end up and what are the Sabres going to get from that? Because let's be honest, the Sabres need a lot of help up in Buffalo. Um, so that is going to be one of the interesting things. I would be curious to see if maybe he does stay in that East division maybe ends up with the Bruins um, because they need some scoring depth. But I think that this is going to be a trade deadline where things are going to develop maybe later in the weekend because teams are trying to figure out, you know, is it worth it with the COVID quarantines um, and the flat salary cap that a lot of these teams have. Um, so I think that Obviously, Taylor Hall going to be a big one. Personally, I, I have some fandom for the Pittsburgh Penguins, so I'm excited to see what they do. Um, looking for more depth in their scoring. They, they said that they would like a big physical forward. And um, I, I think that, obviously, 
in their play the past couple games, they could use that in terms of their other lines. But another thing that I'm curious to see is the goalie market, which goalies are going to end up, you know, landing in another spot. Anton, Anton Hudobin being one of those names from Dallas um, because they already have two solid goaltenders. So I think it's kind of all over the place, but um, I, I expect things to really get moving this weekend. Again, join us right now is Alexis Downey of Stadium and the co-host of OTR Sports Talk. And switching gears to college hockey now, the Frozen Four coming up, and it's again with the weirdness. It was a weird NCAA tournament to start with some teams not being able to participate, had that intense five overtime game with uh, Minnesota Duluth and North Dakota, which North Dakota losing ended up being Grant Mismash signing his pro deal with the Nashville Predators. But two teams from Minnesota, obviously UMD's been there. Minnesota's familiar, St. Cloud, uh, Massachusetts. What are you looking forward to in this Frozen Four? And does any, has anything else surprised you aside from the weirdness that began in the early rounds? Yeah, so the four teams that are in it really – very surprised to see, you know, how some of them have found that landing spot into the frozen four, but I think they're going to be some good games, especially, you know, that first day on Thursday, unfortunately, I know for UMass, they have four of their really important players aren't, they're not partaking due to COVID pro protocols, including their starting goaltender and their top leading scorer. So I think um, otherwise I would have definitely maybe picked them over Duluth in their game, but I'm curious to see how they're, they're going to adjust to that having lost some of their players. Um, but I'm excited to see how the games play out. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things too. I'm sure some teams are still salivating as well to wait for these uh, seniors or guys that could be potential college free agents to finish their seasons. As I know the Predators, David Ference, Grant Mismash, and some others. Are there any other potential college free agents that just instantly jump to your mind that could be involved still that are waiting to sign their contract potentially? You know, as someone who covered a lot of Big Ten hockey, I would say that I've watched a lot of those guys on that end um, in terms of the teams that are in the frozen four. I'm not particularly sure, but I'm sure that once, you know, they get through the games um, that there will be some signings. There's always seems to be those guys like, Oh, that's right. He was a free agent. <laughs> <laughs> that tend to happen. Glenn. Yeah. And since you're new to our show, Alexis, we want to take the opportunity just to learn your story. I mean, was, was sports, is it something that you went to school for saying, I know this is what I want to do, or was it something that just kind of happened that you ended up falling in love with? We just kind of want to get your story from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually went to Michigan State where I covered all of the sports there. And being at such a big school, I had the opportunity to really fall in love with all of the sports, knowing that hockey actually was always the sport that I was drawn to the most. I worked with Michigan State's hockey program for most of my time at school, really got to build the relationship with the coaches and the players. And that obviously helped a lot when I was covering the team. Um, and then, you know, ended up with Stadium here in Chicago. I work as a social media manager, but also host my own NHL show, uh, Icebreakers. In addition to co-hosting with Kirsten, our OTR sports talk show. So it's sports are just, it's my passion. I, I love it, particularly, obviously love hockey. I think it's just such a unique and special sport and the people around it are so awesome like yourselves. So I, I'm 
feeling very lucky to be in the position that I'm in. And so with that too, everyone has their event that they are dreaming of covering. What's one event that stands out to you that in your career you hope you get to be at and you get to cover and be there in person for? So if we're going to stick with hockey, I've always wanted to cover a winter classic. That's always been on my list. I think that especially after seeing at least the NHL outdoors games this year in Lake Tahoe, I was so jealous of everyone that was able to be there. It just looked so unbelievable. So hopefully I'll get to cover a winter classic someday. Uh, it's fun. Got to be there for the Dallas and, and Predators one and got to experience that out in the cold for the one at the big house. That was really <laughs> cold and snowy. That's uh, that's for sure. I think for me, it's the Olympics. That's what I want to cover is the Winter Olympics either. Glenn, what about you? I honestly want to go to a draft. I would love to be at the draft. They're so much fun. And I, Yeah. I mean, it would be a lot. And I almost think that I could be easily overwhelmed, but that would be a good challenge. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, well, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight and can't wait to see more of what you and Kristen have on OTR Sports Talk and look forward to following more on what you do on Stadium. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Alexis Downey, everyone, with Stadium. You can follow her work on Twitter at Alexis Downey underscore. Uh, she does great work with Stadium, get a lot of great things with icebreakers and does nice little recaps of what's going on in the league and everything, too. So watch her videos there on Twitter. And then also friend of the show, Kirsten Kroll, who is with the Minnesota Wild, one of their hosts there for the digital content with Minnesota Wild. It's great to see where her career has been going as well. But they have a podcast together, OTR Sports Talk. So always, always great to get new people on the show, get their insight on what's going on in hockey, Glenn. Absolutely. And she's doing a lot of stuff. And so it's always fun to follow along with people and the icebreakers, like you said, it's, it's very nice to be able to go and watch just a few minute clip and kind of get caught up on everything because it can be very overwhelming when there's a lot going on in the world of sports. And she just kind of breaks it down real simple, um, short and sweet, and lets you know what's going on. So awesome having her on. Absolutely. Okay, up next, Q&A time. We had some questions come in. Let's go and tackle those up next on Penalty Boxer to ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and been a great show of Stephen Ellis. I mean, it was great to talk with him. He is so stupidly talented and knowledgeable about so many different things in sports. And then Alexis Downey, just given her journey already through sports and all the experiences she's having and great coverage as well, um, being so knowledgeable in the sport of hockey too. So just Again, I, to brag on ourselves, I love the guests we're able to bring on here to help get them some exposure and talk with us here in Nashville. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. And, you know, like we love having Steven on. We've had him on quite a bit over the years. And then having Alexis on, like it gives us the opportunity to find people in other, you know, markets um, that maybe you aren't familiar with down here. And she's doing a lot of exciting things. So super excited to have her on and we'll obviously have to have her on again in the future. Absolutely. Okay. Let's get to your questions that you asked us on Twitter. This one comes from Robert team buy, team sell or stand pat for the trade deadline. Whatever you do, do not buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would rather this team stand pat than buy. I'm still, yeah, still under the, the whole push of you got to do some minor sells. I, I, not much you can sell on the blue line right now because of injuries, but some minor sales. And I'm talking, you'd be helpful if Brad Richardson would de- be deemed healthy enough to be traded like that. Uh, but Brad Richardson, Eric Halla, if the offer is right from a team like Toronto, who could be willing to give up a top prospect from Mikhail Granlund, I still pull the trigger on that. 
I still do it because you're looking towards the full on future and you get one of those top prospects out of Toronto. It could be great for this team in the future because they really feel like obviously that they're setting themselves up for a deep run to the Stanley cup in Toronto and uh, Glenlin could be a perfect piece for them. And so if they're willing to give us something like that, then you take it. You don't Mm -hmm. treat this as your cup year. You treat it as, okay, well we can, put a guy in there and we can, you have a healthy Matt Duchesne and healthy Ron Johansson there. There's your, your top two right there. And sorry, uh, Mikhail, but we got a good asset in return. And that's what I'm still on is you have to trade your one years. Hala for a a sixth, I'd still take Richardson for a sixth or seventh. I would still take Uh, Glenland. If you're getting a first, if you're getting a top prospect, you take it, but get rid of some of those guys to open up those roster spots, especially a Hala just on that train, because it's, he's going to take away a roster spot from somebody else that needs to be in there, especially once Duchesne's healthy. Yeah. I mean, I would rather see the predators struggle with standing pat and trying to figure out what to do with that lineup when Duchesne is healthy um, I'd rather see that than see them go out and try to buy someone. I really much rather that. So if I had to pick, I'd sell, then stand pat, and then way down at the bottom buy. Yeah, do not so buy. Don't do that. I know. This team cannot. But when you list, but Robert listed three things, so I'm like, if I had to pick between the three, that would be the very last one. Exactly. All right, this one, I, I this this one's for me. This one comes from friend of the show Dan Rice with the hockey writer. Hi, Dan. Uh, is Sharon Carter the power broker? Uh, this is from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and Glenn will know the actress that plays Sharon Carter, Emily Van That's Camp. That's what I was going to say. I was like, isn't that Emily Van Camp? Because I love her, but I don't watch any of these. So. It is, and I love her oh, and Sharon out. Carter and her getting to reprise a role in this series. You know, a lot of the things is just like in WandaVision where everything was Mephisto. <laughs> I do not think Sharon Carter is the power broker. I think there's another angle she's playing, uh, being an on-the-run CIA agent, former CIA agent now. Uh, I don't think that's it. I think they're trying to, to make it look like she has some other things going on, like maybe being the power broker, but I still don't think it's there. I think, I don't want to say it might be too obvious, uh, but I just don't foresee that. And folks, if you haven't watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, I like it. It's completely different than, than WandaVision. It's definitely more of a buddy-buddy adventure uh, superhero type of movie with plenty of story and plot building. I know some people have called it a little boring, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. New episodes out every Friday on Disney+. Plus, So it's definitely part of the MCU. And yeah, Glenn, if, you should just watch anything with uh, Emily Van Camp in it. <laughs> I know, I would. After Revenge, I totally would. Right. So would it give anything away for people that were going to watch this if you told me right now what the power broker is? Like, is that no, just like no. A- so, so the power broker is supposed to be this all-seeing person that has mm-hmm. access to giving people this superpower syndrome. So the, it's not syndrome, the, the serum that basically made what made Captain America, uh, what made mm-hmm. other super soldiers and everything, that they hold the power of different things. Hence the power broker, that they're able to give power to other people. And so they're trying okay. to find who this person is that was giving power to others. Okay. That's the basic, basic layman's terms of it to try to explain it. Without an identity. Okay. Yeah. In my head, naturally, I went to like Gossip Girl, Lady Whistledown from Bridgerton. I'm like, okay, so obviously there's, they're doing something <laughs> and people are trying to figure out who it is. So, okay. Absolutely. Now I'm all caught up. Okay, this one comes from Smashvillian. Most underrated sandwich, and why is it a hot dog? Oh, Smashvillian. Papa pierogi. Why? No, the most underrated sandwich. I don't think BLTs get enough credit, to be really? honest. I really, really don't. I mean, maybe in some people's world, they give them a ton of credit, but nobody in my world does. And I love a good BLT. And You know, I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and... I, 
it's difficult to say what's underrated because no matter what I say, somebody's gonna be like, no, oh, I love that one. Well, it doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, the, there's the Turkey Club. There's that that gets talked about a, a plenty, but I think for me, it would be in a variation of the Turkey Club and it would be the Turkey Club with avocado. I love yeah. that little sliver of avocado in there. And maybe that's the elder millennial in me talking of, of loving that little piece that of avocado, really but it is really good. I know Panera has a version of it. I've seen multiple versions of it, but slightly toast that bread. You got your turkey, you got your bacon and you have your avocado in there. And so you feel like you're getting your good fats as well as your bad fats. Yep. <laughs> also grilled cheese. I mean, those are, I actually think those are not underrated at all. Yeah, they're not yeah, underrated I, at I all. Cheese, There's yeah. a concession stand for it in an arena. Definitely not That's underrated. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> all right. This one comes from Gold Light. Who was John Galt? I don't know. Who is John Galt? So I will flip that. Yeah. Because I don't even know John Galt. No, that's, is that's that the Anne Rand thing? I'll just flip that back around to NHL Goal Light and ask you, who is John Galt? <laughs> uh, this My one, question to you, Goal Light. <laughs> this one comes from Larry Smith. Uh, do you think the beast line, and that is also known as the herd line of Trenin <laughs> Olivier Sissons, has motivated the other lines to step up their game? I wouldn't necessarily say motivated. I think they're playing the role very well and it opens up other space for other lines to do their thing. And it gets cliche, but every, every line has been playing their role quite well. That fourth line has been playing their role very well. They bring energy, they play physical. They also drive to the net. They mix it up a little bit. I and mean, we've seen it to where even before the opening faceoff, Trennan is mixing it up on the wing and slamming sticks and shoving and, and everything like that. That's why, I mean, John Hines said, they start a lot of games because they want he wants them to set the tone. And it's not that they're out there being bruisers. It's that they're setting the tone with the right energy. And that right there could be motivation, but it's motivation based on example and leading by example of the type of speed and tenacity they want to be played in the game. That's what I see out of that line that they can chip in. And they have a great chemistry. And you have a veteran like Colton Sissons between two rookies that it's the perfect type of energy line that they can chip in offensively every once in a while, but the pressure's on them to mostly mix things up to put pressure on other teams and match them up against a first or second line potentially of another team to make it difficult on them to trap them in their own zone. And they've done a fantastic job of that right now. And I, I hope it continues. Yeah, I agree. And also, I mean, when, when you are playing your best as a line, then automatically I think you're going to make other players around you on other lines better. You're going to make them, you're going to help them play their best game by playing your best game. So I think in that regard, absolutely. Um, as far as motivation, I think I think the youth as a whole, um, it just I've talked about this before. I think it just brings a certain jolt um, into a team, and so I think the youth as far as motivation. But for sure, I think Trinan, Olivier, and Sissons, you know, when they're playing their better hockey, then the lines around them are going to be able to do that as well. Yeah, you make a good point. The youth as a whole has motivated this team to be better. I mean, we look at what happened with Luke Cunning prior to his injury, but John Hines kept him out of the lineup for a couple of games and he explained to him, like, look, this team's playing really well right now. So when I put you back in, I need you to play all out and earn your spot. And he'd been playing like he's trying to earn his spot. You see a lot of people out there playing like they're trying to earn their spot because they know it could be up for grabs right now. There's other guys that are battling, legitimately battling to earn their spot on this roster. And that's what you want to see is guys not being comfortable. And it's more of just a mindset of my spot is nothing, nothing's given to me. It's got to be earned. And that's what you want to see no matter what, when guys get healthy, that everyone's playing, like they don't just get the roster spot automatically do Shane Ellis included. They have to come out, they have to push and they have to impress because there's someone else waiting in the wings just to come right up and steal their spot from them. They have to play with that mentality overall. Yep. So. And that's where you see, I mean, you could see that 
at times throughout any season. There's always a team or two where they're heavy, heavy, heavy on the contracts, and you see players that are just out there just ready to feel like their paycheck but not really work for their paycheck, and you don't ever want to see that because the team is not going to, one, they're not going to be productive, and two, they're not going to get any further than they are in that moment with that mentality. So absolutely, I think the youth has been huge as far as motivating. All right, folks, if you missed any of the show, you can find it at penaltyboxradio.com. Also subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever you want to get your podcasts. And you can listen to our other podcasts there. We have great ones just about hockey and lifestyle and behind the scenes in the music industry and different things on college hockey and the fan podcast. Everything that you need, we have it at penaltyboxradio.com. And we'll just look forward to what's going to happen for the rest of the season. And we'll obviously wrap up the trade deadline on our next show next week. Oh boy, let's see what happens there. Oh boy. Oh boy. So for Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thank you so much for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.